Darlene and I enjoyed our week's vacation. I hope all of you have a chance to do that, to find a time of refreshment. We uh, had a chance to go up through um, eastern Virginia along the coast and Delaware and spent some time in New Jersey. Um, we spent the week in Atlantic City. That might have a different ring or connotation for some people uh, <laughs> as we think about that area. Um, yeah, there's a lot of casinos up there. And we were right on the boardwalk. All you have to do is walk around to them. Now, we did go in them, but we kept our wallets closed. Honestly, we did. Uh, but there was a lot to see up there. Melt some homeless people on the street. I'm sure some drug addicts. But there was a lot of money being spent in those casinos, I'll tell you that. Wasn't there, Darlene? But we had a great time. It was a long, you know, we, we could almost walk a mile and we, on a boardwalk and just enjoy the scenery of what God has put in the ocean. It was just refreshing. And we didn't hardly get in the car the whole week, did we? We just kind of stayed in the presence of each other. And it was rewarding and refreshing. So thank you for the time that we had to get away. And as some of you know, I've been trying to catch a fish in every one of the states. That's been a goal of mine for a while. And so I now check Delaware and New Jersey off my list. So seven, 13 more states. Yeah, 13 more states, and I'll have the 50 states done. Again, Darlene wants me to do all seven continents because she wants to go. <laughs> Free to think about whatever. John Ortberg is a Christian writer. Maybe some of you have read some of his writing and some of his books. But in one of his books, he writes about his next-door neighbor. And John's family had gotten acquainted with them. They lived across the street. And John's a minister, and he was trying to kind of help their marriage along in a positive way. He and his wife. But the couple didn't get along. He was a professional bodybuilder, or he wanted to be a professional bodybuilder, he worked in security, but his passion was to be that professional bodybuilder. He was a strong fellow, he writes, but he was so self-centered, all he could think about was getting to the gym and getting stronger so he could be that bodybuilder. But his wife was just the opposite. She was a small, petite girl that was very angry, quite bitter, and upset towards her husband. He went to work very early in the morning at 6 o'clock. And she got up and prepared his bodybuilding lunch. And John writes and says, My wife and I never understood why she would get up so early and fix his lunch when she didn't like him so well or what he did. And one day she came over and she confessed secretly she was larding him up <laughs> with calories to put weight on her husband so he would quit bodybuilding and spend more time with her. And then he further writes, this story's kind of incredible. She loaded him up with what he thought was dietary turkey sandwiches, but she was putting butter and mayonnaise by the tons on them. She put extra sugar in his yogurt and made his protein shakes with half and half. 
And then he would secretly go to John and say, I work out every day, but for some reason I can't lose this extra weight and get stronger. And the story ended there. John didn't finish it. (laughs) So I don't know what happened to the couple. But you see, we can start thinking about whatever we want to think about, not thinking about other people. And not thinking about our relationship with Christ. We can just kind of drift in the wrong way. And we can kind of get lost. We may not like the truth. We may not heed it. But we can't evade it. Bodies get shaped by what goes into them. What we eat is what we can become. Recently, we took our dog Millie, or Darlene took our dog Millie to the vet, and she was overweight. Um, We'd been feeding her a few table scraps now and then, and that probably wasn't the best food for her. Cars, boats. We were careful about the type of fuel we put in them. Commercial airlines, they need a specific kind of fuel so they can fly and carry us from place to place. Thoroughbred animals, we give them precise portions of food so they will grow and be able to produce more thoroughbreds. But we forget this when it comes to our minds sometimes and what we put in it. In this world today, we are bombarded by a steady stream of messages from the media, from neighbors, from friends, from co-workers, from books to iPods and thoughts of our own. Our mind will be shaped by whatever we feed it. And I tell you, that was evident in Atlantic City. The evil one tries to lard up our minds when we're not looking. He will put bad thoughts in our minds at the breakfast table if we're not careful, sprinkle temptations in our minds during our lunch breaks, and slip us a worry sandwich when it's time to go to bed. After a while, we may not even notice that he is packing our minds full of unhealthy thoughts. It happens to all of us. But Jesus, what are you doing with the thought of Jesus? What are you doing with that thought? If you want your mind to be full of life, you have to pay attention to what focus you want. One of the greatest gifts God has given us is the human, is is the scriptures. Yet how often we turn it into a burden. You know, I've had people ask me, how many times should I be reading my Bible a day? Should I read my Bible in the morning or should I read it at night? You know, people ask these questions. Should I read it for 10 minutes or 20 minutes? And one person asked me several years ago, What is the minimum time I can read the Bible and God still love me? That was a real question. Those are the wrong questions to be asking. Those are the wrong questions even in our mind. God loves you today as you are, completely and fully. Does he want more? That's up to you. That's up to you how much you love Jesus. No matter how much you read the Bible, God won't love you any more than he loves you right now. 
But the more you read, pray, and follow him, the stronger your relationship and ties with him are going to be. The question is, what can you feed your mind with so that it can flourish? Other people have asked, how much more information about the Bible am I supposed to know? I feel guilty sometimes for not knowing or understanding what's in the Bible. When I read it, I just don't get it. We don't read the Bible and acquire knowledge to fulfill a spiritual duty. We need to just follow Jesus. We have to jump in and not to kind of like stand on the bank of the river. We need to just jump in and get wet and get saturated with what Christ has for us. We have to be willing to go with God, to think the thought that he desires to put in our minds. Jump in and read and grow in your relationship. A couple of weeks ago, you know, some of us went over to Hagenstone Park, and we rented the pool for a while that evening. And I kind of took notice of some people, how they got in the water. Some people just jump in, and they get wet all over. You know, they just can't wait. They just jump in, and they got soaking wet. Other people, you know, there were steps, and they'd kind of go down the step a little bit at a time, going down and getting their ankles wet and getting their knees wet and getting their waist wet, and some of them didn't even get in any farther than that. But that's okay. Because you're trying to get into the flow of God. In your lives, you're trying to get into the flow of God. And if you don't step in, you're not going to get in the flow. Part of Psalms 1 reads, Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper. The phrase... When I first read that back in 1974, 73, meditate on his law day and night, not day and night, you know, I thought, how can I ever do that? That kind of sounds intimidating. To think about the law, day and night, am I supposed to sleep? Am I supposed to do my homework for my colleague professors? So it sounded kind of intimidating. How would I ever get any work done if I spent the whole day contemplating the book of Lamentations? You ever read Lamentations? You ever read the book of Numbers? There's an old saying that if you can worry, you can meditate. Meditating, meditation is simply turning a thought over and over in your mind, like worrying. As you do that, neurons are firing in your brain, and your brain is rewiring. It can be rewired for God every day. When I was in the 11th grade, a friend of mine, um, Dennis, came and told me about a girl who liked me. I couldn't believe it, because she was a cheerleader. 
and she was a straight-A student. You know, she went out with people that were in the 13th and 14th grade. <laughs> Not boys in high school. She went out with college-age boys. And I couldn't believe that this was true. And Dennis said, Rusty, I don't get it either, but people were saying she likes you. I should have got that right away, shouldn't I? But that night, my mind couldn't stop thinking about Sandra. She likes me. She likes me. Think about what you want. Think about whatever. My mind couldn't stop thinking about Sandra. And so I decided I was going to personally go up and talk to her instead of calling her on the phone. At lunch, she always sat at a table that she got to first before anybody else came and the other girls sat at her table. And so I hightailed it down to the cafeteria that next morning, and I went right up to her, and we started conversation, conversation about algebra, you know, something easy. And finally I said, Sandra, would you like to go out with me sometime? She says, no. <laughs> She says, I like your car, but I don't need to go out with you. I had American Motors yellow javelin at that time, and she liked my javelin. But I had one good night thinking about us. It was my delight for the evening. Now, if we would just delight in the Lord, meditate on his word, a little bit more than what we're doing now. God's not going to like you any more or less, but you're going to love him a lot more when you do. So what would it look like to delight in the law of the Lord? What do you think? What would that look like? It is certainly something deeper than being thrilled about a bunch of rules or a bunch of rules even in the Bible that we read or a bunch of numbers and numbers or limitations. It starts with a vision. A vision of being loved by God. Having a thirst for that relationship between you and Jesus Christ that's deeper than you can ever imagine. Our minds and hearts would be thrilled with that. Think about whatever and let that whatever include that God loves you and that you can love him more. Our minds and hearts can be open and flow the paths of God. Our joy can be increased. And when that happens, have you ever had that happen, that experience when God has just touched your life in a way that has strengthened you, and you know you're in the flow of the river, you're in the flow of God, and you've just been touched? Has that ever happened to you? Men high-five, women tell about the happiness. Unfortunately, down the road a month, a year or two, 
we can stop thinking about that if we're careful, not careful. Not because you're a spiritual failure, not because you love God less, but because your neurons have become used to the information of a year or six months ago. But the psalmist is saying that he has actually found ways to carry thoughts of God's love and protection into his mental mind. A plant, a tree, they have a xylem and a phloem. Did you know that? The things that carry the food and the resources and the water up, up a plant, up the tree that's planted by the living streams of water, they have a xylem and a phloem. And that's what carries the nutrients. That's what carries the water to make them alive. And we have things that can make us alive to God too. A heart and a mind. Resources around us that can keep us in the flow of God to help us see the new possibilities that God has for us. It doesn't have to look backwards. It looks forward. It looks upward. There are two ways of looking through a window or looking at a window. Now, I can look at a clear glass. I'm not describing our house here, but I can just go, go to any any building in Atlantic City where we just came from, in the state of Delaware where we were, and you can look at a glass and you can see streaks. You can see the little bubbles that get in it sometimes. You can see the dirt. You can see the film on it. Or I can look completely through that glass to what's on the other side, to what God has for me. We have to look through past what's right here, what's right in front of us. We have to look past that to see what God's possibilities are on the other side. Now, we all have film and dirt and gunk that gets in our way. It happens to all of us. We all had broken hearts. You know, Sandy broke my, Sandra broke my heart. We all had broken hearts more so than that. Failure going down the wrong path, not doing what we should do. We've been, all been broken. But when you look past the dirt and the filth in the film, there is God on the other side with a clean slate, a clean window for all of us. Look for the possibilities beyond where you are. The word which kind of stood out to me in today's passage is the word whatever. Our minds are being shaped all the time, but, what, but we have great freedom to pursue minds that flourish. We are commanded to feed our minds on noble thoughts, to let the good thoughts flow and to fill your mind. Paul's instructions was this. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the word that stand out is whatever. 
whatever is shaping your mind will lead you to the film or the dirt or to the promises beyond. Let's think a moment on the phrase, whatever is lovely. Now think of something that really is lovely. You don't have to tell me what that is, but just think of something that is lovely in your own mind here this morning. A sunset, and holding a newborn child, a lovely flower garden, the ocean, the face of someone you love, music that makes you dance. Just think of something lovely just for the next few seconds. Think of something lovely. Let your mind dwell there in whatever is lovely. And give this whatever is lovely space in your heart. Give the Holy Spirit space in your heart to flow in and direct your mind to the love of God. Let whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things. God desires for you to have a mind that habitually thinks about those things Paul wrote about. And you have freedom to let your mind be rewired by God and by that love. Thank you for thinking about that for a minute. As the Holy Spirit fills our heart, as it increases in power in your mind, the flow and the presence will help us see beyond the film. Think nobly, praiseworthy. Do what is right and pure. God is waiting for you to love him more, to grow, to see his way. Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name. Think about him just for the next few minutes and let him flow through your heart and mind. There's nothing sweeter than that name Jesus.